Welcome back. It's Paul Hearing with Paul Hearing Coaching. I'm a tech business leader turned meditation coach, life coach, leadership coach, armchair neuroscientist, or think of me as a personal trainer for your mind. I did what is so easy for us all to do, I sacrificed my well-being and integrity in pursuit of success. I've turned that around and I love sharing how I did it. This is a juicy episode. I'm so excited. Welcome back. Episode three. I'm interviewing my client, David Hausleib. He's been a client now for about six months. He went through my mindfulness, my three-month mindfulness tech program, and now we have an ongoing coaching relationship, and I'm so excited to present this interview. We did this uh, a couple weeks ago, so it's pre-recorded, and just so excited to have him on. Very grateful for his working with him and uh, for joining me. He's a really accomplished tech entrepreneur, successful, balanced, and he'll tell a story. He was sort of what I call meditation curious and had heard of meditation, but had never really ventured into practicing. And so as we work together, you'll hear the impact it had on him and it's exciting. It's powerful. So with that, the interview with my client, David Hausleib, and as always, followed by a guided meditation. David, thanks for joining. I really appreciate you coming on my, on my first uh, my foray into podcasts. I appreciate uh, being your first guest and, and, and being here. You've been an incredible resource, and I'm excited to see what you're going to build with this. I appreciate that. really do. So I did a brief intro following the, or previous to the interview coming up, but can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is David Hausleib. I am ostensibly a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I started my first company in high school and uh, I started another one in college and ran that for a few years. It was a web publishing business before selling it. And I've been in food e-commerce. I, I have a relocation firm right now with my husband where we help high net worth individuals like CEOs and Oscar winning actors change homes uh, and take the burden of that transition off of their shoulders. And we found that it is one of the most stressful, uncomfortable times in a person's life. Uh, there's some study out there that says people would rather get divorced than move. So I know I know we're helping people in a really um, high conflict environment. Uh, and then I uh, either advise or work with a couple other firms, including a, a mobile fitness app and a uh, men's grooming beauty company. Uh, and I... Um, really just like starting something from nothing and seeing where it, where it takes us. And you've been successful at it. So it makes sense. That you enjoy it. What, what are the companies do you want to share what the companies are called? Yeah. So our main relocation company is called Greystone relocation concierge. It's based in Los Angeles, but we have clients um, in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Sydney, London, Costa Rica, all over the world. Uh, and that is really managed uh, in a phenomenal day-to-day -day way by, by our team. Uh, we've been so fortunate to recruit, find, and nurture a tremendous group of people. A lot of them 
uh, young. It might be their first or second real job. Uh, but we also have a really lovely senior management team that makes my life a lot easier. And I've found that, you know, the whole point of starting a business, creating something from nothing, uh, is not really about the product or the service, but the people and navigating their needs and wants and uh, having buy-in for really what you're trying to create. Uh, the fitness app is called GoTime. That's G-O-T-Y-M. And it is uh, a on-demand, in-person platform for uh, yoga, training, and massage. Or I should say training, yoga, and massage. That's the TYM. And we are right now in sort of a friends and family beta. Uh, it's live. You can download it. Uh, we're sort of just rolling it out and getting all the bugs worked out. I'm working with a, uh, a CBG company called True Sons, which is... Uh, I think the the first, at least in the U.S., uh, sort of oxidized aerosol beard and hair coloring company. So it is sort of taking the stigma out of uh, dyeing your hair and doing it in a really natural way. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guys can't see, Paul's a little salt and pepper. Um, I'm getting a little bit, bit too uh, around the jawline. Does it still qualify as salt and pepper? Yeah, it looks pretty salt and it's pepper. It's not from just gray. <laughs> no, there's like some dark brown in there. Yeah, but okay. You, you can try out. Um, you can. I'll send you some true suns, and you can see if if you like the difference. But we're trying to, you know, really go after guys who either are scared of, you know, the dude on the box at, at um, you know, your local like Rite Aid or Walgreens, who, uh, you know, you don't want this result that looks like shoe polish. And there are a lot of guys who would never even consider coloring their beard or hair because they they think either that's going to be the result or it has this sense of inauthenticity. And what we want to do is actually give guys a little more confidence. So we're not going to completely change your appearance, but I think we we this product works. It's really phenomenal. I wouldn't be working with it um, uh, if I didn't believe in what it does. And the results that we've seen are, are just tremendous and people are so thrilled to have an option to change something cosmetic about themselves, but in a way that really gives them more confidence at work in dating when they look in the mirror. Uh, it's the same reason why we all go to the gym and try and eat right. And uh, it's a, I think it's a, we found that with, with our customers, it's something that they're using with regularity it's now part of their sort of grooming routine every week and the feedback has just been tremendous so that's the kind of business that i like i i like to joke that i'm business agnostic i don't necessarily care what kind of business i'm working on so long as uh we've got an awesome team we're solving a problem that helps other people uh and there's a way to to scale it and make it make it bigger and bigger every year <clears throat> that's exciting you have a lot going on i have a lot going on yeah so tell me tell us a bit about uh tell us about how you what kind of piqued your interest in working with me and meditation in general i call i call david meditation curious which i think I am. people are they're going to work with me and um in general myself what i kind of used to be i was curious about it scared Scared, I think, is the operative word. Is I'm generally kind of scared to go and try it 
and really de- devote a lot of time to it, but always knew it was there, but mm-hmm. always thought it was this esoteric thing that only actually really monks did or super spiritual or religious people. So can you tell us a bit about how? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think when, when you and I started working together, I was meditation curious, but I, I think I've made the full leap and, and yes, come out of the meditation I, closet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's weird, right? So you, you and I have known each other, um, you know, off and on for, I truly don't know, 10-ish years, maybe yeah, longer. Least, yeah. And we reconnected uh, last year and I saw, um, you know, like a lot of, friends and acquaintances, you follow them on social media and you sort of have an idea of what's going on in their lives or at least what they're willing to share. And I had seen that you had been doing um, meditation work and then sort of transitioning into, um, you know, even more robust life coaching. And I saw an Instagram story of yours where you talked about a challenge you were giving yourself. And I was something like you wanted to in 21 days, you wanted to have like 30 new client calls. Right. Is that accurate? Calls, yeah. Yeah. And With I messaged you, and you, you and I probably hadn't talked spoken for a while. And I messaged yeah. you and I said, this is awesome. Sign me up. I'm, I want to try this. And, you know, you obviously didn't know it at the time. And, and you and I talked very much about this, about why I even decided to reach out. But, you know, I've, I'm 35 and I've been an entrepreneur arguably since I was let's say 15 or 16 and I've never had a problem with creativity or ambition or scared of trying new things or being comfortable with being uncomfortable until about two years ago and it's one of these weird phenomenons that you don't even know it's happening to you until so much time has passed that it's now your new norm, that your inability to get excited about, you know, whatever, for me, it was business and, and creating um, and having that entrepreneurial spirit. And it, I didn't realize how it had just sort of left my top of mind. It, it wasn't present. I had gotten very comfortable. Um, admittedly, I still worked decently hard, but uh, you know, got to the point where I was sort of content with where I had gotten at that point. And that was the scariest part of it all, that I was so comfortable not moving forward. And I want to be very clear, there's a difference between like stasis and contentment. I, I think we should all be able to enjoy contentment. Even the most ambitious driven people can be content. And I, I think that's almost like a like a four letter word for a lot of people in our world who think they need to constantly be achieving. Mm-hmm. And I, <clears throat> I disagree. I th- think we can be content while also doing that. And I, I think the, the difference is in the word I use is stasis, which is like nothing is changing. Nothing's really moving ahead. It just is. I'm sort of existing out of inertia. And at the time, Uh, I started realizing I did not like that. Uh, But for the first time really in my life, I didn't know how to change it. I did not know how to affect change. I thought I had such a robust toolbox when it came to my own psychology and mental health that I could figure my way out of really any, 
any psychological problem. Uh, and I've, you know, worked with therapists before and, and I'm very in tune with mental health. But again, it, for whatever reason, I had just reached this point where I felt like I had plateaued and it was terrifying. So what happens, right? You don't want to deal with it. So you don't think about it. And all that does is make the problem worse and it snowballs and it grows. And before you know it, um, holidays pass, birthdays pass, milestones come and go, and you just don't care. Like it just is so much less meaningful than it once was. And when I saw your story, I had sort of come to term, your Instagram story, I had sort of come to terms with this idea that, you know, like crap, like I can't figure my way out of this. Um, and it stinks, but I'm going to deal with it. And so when I saw your Instagram story, it was that spark or catalyst that said, you know, here's an opportunity. And then to pat my own self on the back, it felt really good to reach out to you, to invite myself to try something with you that I was not comfortable with and may have, you know, looked at with some skepticism, uh, thinking I'm this super rational, pragmatic person. And so I was immediately, just like from that action alone, just saying like, you know, what? I'm going to reach out to Paul. He's doing this really cool thing. I'm going to see if it's for me. Uh, it's also an opportunity to reconnect with an old friend who I haven't talked to in a while, but uh, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to get comfortable again with being uncomfortable. And that first step was almost like, you know, looking back was the beginning of this journey. Um, and obviously, you, you and I have come a long way since then. Uh, and when it, and meditation has been a big part of that. That was something that you taught me how to do, how to exist in my, in my own mind without, not necessarily without distraction, but how to deal with distraction, how to refocus myself on contentment, how to break patterns that weren't serving me and replace and stack them with new patterns that did serve me. And it's something now that I, meditation is now something I do every day. I almost always look forward to it. And I always am glad I did it. And my practice right now is um, at least 10 minutes uh, in the mornings. And it is, um, I've told this to you before, I tell this to other people and they look at me weird, but I don't care. It is a physically pleasurable experience. Like I've never felt um, like that sort of physical pleasure in my brain. I've never felt really anything in my brain besides like a headache or you know, a head cold or nausea or whatever it might be, yeah. uh, but never like good things. So it was a sort of a surprising and delightful moment for me. And now, you know, I'm hooked. It, it's, uh, I don't know what's going on in there, some sort of release of chemicals, but it is a really enjoyable experience. And it, the meditation itself, the actual practice, that 10 minutes that you carve out for, for yourself every day, that alone is, is worth doing it, is worth looking into, um, you know, starting, starting that practice for yourself. 
but the the benefits are are innumerable and and for me it almost instantly and i don't want to overpromise anybody here but this is my own experience but it almost instantly you know really recentered me really allowed me to look at the things that were gathering on my to-do list which was getting longer and longer and stuff i would avoid 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 because it wasn't so pressing i didn't really have to do it and and through meditation i learned that tackling those things is not wasn't was no longer this like annoying thing that i had to deal with it gave me an opportunity to reset my priorities and find and return to a place that actually gives me joy gives me pleasure back to this sort of like entrepreneurial world that i so enjoyed and maybe took for granted maybe got too comfortable with but it helped me really get re-energized about what I wanted to work on. And, you know, those companies I was talking to earlier that, that I'm working on now, none of this really would have happened if you and I hadn't started working together. Which means a lot. And I appreciate that. I would say from the moment you, and I think this doesn't just speak to my ability. I do. The, the, the reason I'm coaching and I felt called to coach is because I did feel like I had an ability to teach in a unique way that would resonate with people. At the same time, it's going to be different for everyone. So it's similar to a yoga, yoga class. Don't quit mm -hmm. going to yoga just because you go to a class one time, you don't like the instructor. So it depends right. a lot on the part, on the person, the teacher, if you don't connect with someone, try it again with someone else. But I will say I've been fortunate. I've, the clients I do have, they seem to have some progress almost immediately. And I would say mm -hmm. for you, it was exactly that. I think since the first couple of classes, you were like, I forget the, the exact quote, but it was basically on the level of like, this has changed my life almost. Out yeah. Of and, and, it, and it is. And, and listen, I'll, I'll give you plenty of credit, but I um, uh, uh, very willingly, but for, for folks who are, who are listening, whether it's, you know, you or somebody else, it's, there's something really wonderful and magical about this practice that, you know, not to sound too hokey, but that like we as human beings really need to dedicate time in our lives for. And I had never meditated prior to you, or maybe I thought I did, but what I was doing was not meditating. <laughs> um, and it's definitely something you have to practice and build at. It is, uh, it's an instrument. You don't, succeed right away let's say uh i still there are some days where i still struggle to do it um but it's something that is i'm finding just like really fundamental for well-being and it gives a presence and, a, and an alertness and a calmness um to every day that i do it i think um so the expectation not everyone's going to have that epiphany right out of the box. I would say it is pretty common with a, with a good teacher. It is pretty common to feel the power of meditation right out of the box. Yeah. Because it, that, and that's why I think it's so important to explore and not try it on your own because um, you can have that experience. It doesn't mean everyone will. So I think there's that aspect of aspect, aspect of sticking with it. But I think that shift you made and I watched, from day one over three months, three months of working together is quite a bit. And there's a whole, you know, reasoning behind I, the, that it's tailored that long because it is a process and doesn't happen overnight. Part of that is shedding the skepticism. 
And like we said, you were meditation curious, but you still had your own skepticism, right? Sure. About what it really was. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I was raised Jewish, but I'm not a religious person. Um, I, uh, I won't sort of like get into my beliefs about God and the universe, but you know, I, I saw it and I thought like, okay, that's, you know, cool that people do it, but like, I'm good. Not for <laughs> like, me. I, I figured out, or not even that's, well, yeah, not for me, but something like I didn't even need to try because like my life was pretty good and I didn't need to augment it and there was no driver motivation to do so. Um, and I think in talking to friends and colleagues and peers, family members, it sounds like there are so many people who are in that same set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I'm never going to tell anybody like, you need to go start meditating. Like, that's not my personality. But I will certainly like I wish happened to me earlier in my life, I will certainly expose them to what that what the practice looks like, what the benefits can be. If they want to try it out, I'll do my best to, you know, coach them through five or 10 minutes using some of the things that you taught me. I've had mixed success, let's let's say, with converting people. But I think um, what I've what I've really loved and been surprised by is I'm talking to more and more people about it. Let's say the first month you and I started working together, I told my husband, maybe some close friends, and maybe like my parents, maybe my sister. Uh-huh. I don't even know. And then I sort of grew more comfortable with it as those benefits became so much more, let's say linear, so much more inarguably correlated to the practice that, that, you, that we were working on together. And I started talking to more people about it. You became this person that I would bring up in, in conversation, um, not a propos of nothing, but if I, we're talking about, as often does in my conversation with friends, mental health and well-being and uh, like, you know, being an entrepreneur. And I would say, oh, like I'm working with a life coach. And sometimes I didn't call you a life coach. Sometimes I Mm -hmm. say a business coach or an executive coach. And I would watch people's reaction based on the term that I use. Right. And I thought like, if I said executive coach, then they would be like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Um, Or or it would lend a little more, let's say, credibility to what I was doing. Right. And then I sort of just got more comfortable referring to you as, as my life coach and somebody who, whom I uh, am learning a meditation practice with. And I noticed right away when I started being more direct and less cagey about what we were working on together that my friends peers strangers at parties were actually more curious and interested and engaged and impressed and um and really keen on learning more about it and not one person reacted in a way that could be like described as like negative or sarcastic or, you know, maybe there were some people who were initially skeptical, but 
Well, that's what I was so surprised by that everyone was like, wow, like that's tremendous that, that you're doing this. That is great. I would say that I'm surprised by that too, but yeah. Yeah. And I think there are probably more people than there are. I know this more people than I realized who would be interested in working with somebody like you, but either they don't know how to find somebody like that. They are um, skeptical themselves. They may not even know this kind of thing exists. And that I think is now one of my roles among family and friends. And again, it's not about being preachy. It's about being open with what's changed about me in the past few months, what Mm -hmm. I'm working on now and why, what's enabled me to sort of get out of that funk and return to a version of myself that I recognize a lot more. Uh, And I love that. I love that I can speak openly and authentically with people I care about, about the stuff that I'm doing. And they are super engaged and want to know more and want to see if this is something that might be right for them. Incredible. So how would you explain your, your practice now on, on, on an ongoing basis? As far as like, like what it actually looks like day to day. Yeah. Kind of how do you maintain? Uh, Google calendar, everything in my life goes on my calendar or it does not exist. So there is a, um, from seven to seven fifteen. uh, there's an event that repeats every day called meditate. And it is something that I fall into normally. Anyhow, this is my routine, but, uh, knowing that I've carved out the time for it and I have nothing can interfere with it except this early morning boot camp that I do. So <laughs> on beyond that. Uh, but otherwise that's my time that I've set aside for myself and I give myself a little bit of buffer room. Uh, usually if I'm at my house in the central coast of California, uh, there are a couple spots around the house that I, Uh, like to do. Even though my eyes are closed, I like having a nice view usually out uh, to the oak trees, which is what I'm looking at right now as we speak. Uh, I like listening to birds. We have cows outside my fence, horses. Um, I like having a little bit of either natural or background white noise, let's say. And then let's, you know, I get into position. I'm on a soft surface. I'm, I'm crossing my legs. I've got my, my hands, palms up on my knees. And what I've noticed matters the most is going from, and this is obviously something you taught me, is going from the top of my body to the bottom of my body, almost one body part at a time, and sort of asking it to relax. So it, it sort of starts with you know the, the crown of my head, my forehead, to my cheeks, to my eyes. Um, the big one for me, as I've discovered, is letting my tongue relax. That seems to allow everything to happen when I let my tongue yeah. rest on the bottom of my mouth. Uh, and just you know, proceeding down the body, um, almost like a body scan. And you know, inevitably, I might get a cramp somewhere or an itch or something physical wants to interrupt my practice. And at first, it was really challenging to sort of get through that or, 
let's say, do my best to ignore it, or maybe I didn't, maybe I'd scratched that itch or whatever it might be. Uh, but, you know, with any practice, it's gotten a lot better. And, and I've really been able to turn off the, let's say, the physical world around me and, uh, you know, create a space in my mind that is calm and sometimes has visualizations. You and I just meditated before this. And, uh, and I talked to you about sort of this ocean motif where I'm, I sort of see myself sitting in the sand and as I'm inhaling the water, the tide is receding and as I'm exhaling, the tide is coming back in and, and washing away the footprints or the seaweed or the debris that represents sort of all my distracting thoughts. And that's what I've learned that that 10 minutes is, is not for me to, is not for me to concentrate so hard that I cannot think about anything else because that's impossible for me at least. Uh, my brain is still going to bounce around with different ideas. But what I can do is sort of acknowledge those thoughts and name them and thank them for entering my mind space and then uh, politely asking them to, you know, get the hell out of there. I've got other things to do for the moment. And, and it works. And that's the most, I think when, when I think about, you know, who might be listening to this and especially like a lot of entrepreneurs or executives and self-starters and, and really organized, but busy people. We like seeing, we like doing things that we can see results from. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I think this can work really well for sort of type A people because a meditation practice yields results. And as you, as you said, and as I've experienced they are immediate or near immediate. It's not, it's not like you want to lose body fat and you have to go to the gym and wait six months for, uh, to see results. This is about calming your brain the first time you do this and the results really follow quite quickly. The flip side of that, that I think the challenge that keeps holds people back from jumping in and just trying it is that you don't see those results until you're in it and trying mm -hmm. it. Whereas mm -hmm. like with the gym, they can see other, at least see it's, it's physical, it's visual. If someone's working their biceps out, you can look at their biceps and be like, damn, your fucking arms are big. Yep. With the mind, you can't do that. And so I think that continues to add on to the skepticism people have. Well, I can't see it. And so therefore it's not real. And that is one of the, I mean, honestly, that's my med my own meditation practice is not being cynical about people that are, I feel, I think of as, of, of it as ignorance quite a bit that sure. people are like, that's not, that's stupid because I know how real it is. There's so many scientific studies now that show how real it is. So that's part of my own practice and not being judgmental about that. But I think that is the, taking that first step because you can't physically see it, but at least testing the waters, just take that first step to work with whether it's on your own or a coach or whatever to truly sink into a true meditation practice in some way. Yep. Typically you're right. The, you'll feel the effects pretty quickly. Well, this is what I've come to realize is you know, I've gotten this far in life without, um, you know, I've had a couple of mentors, let's say over the years, but, you know, I didn't go to business school. I, 
uh, I launched companies not knowing what the hell I was doing. I sold companies not knowing what the hell I was doing. And I'll, and I've, I've learned a lot. I feel very fortunate and, and blessed that things have, have turned out the way that, that they did. But then I also realized, you know, it's like if you want to be a great tennis player, you don't go out to a tennis court and try to teach yourself tennis. Mm-hmm. You should have a coach. You should have an expert to help you with your game. And this is very similar. I don't think that if you want to go find, you know, calmness and contentment and learn how to meditate and, you know, enjoy the benefits uh, from that practice. I mean, yeah, you can like go and Google your way through this, but the smartest people uh, are going to work with somebody like you who can who has been studying this for years and years and knows how to set clients up for success. And like I went 35 years old, I went skiing once when I was 10. So that doesn't count. But the other weekend (laughs) I went skiing in Breckenridge first time I went to ski school. And the number one lesson of learning how to ski is friends don't let friends, friends don't let friends teach them how to ski. Like you just don't try to take instruction from friends. doesn't matter how good they are. They are not an expert. So I wanted to learn how to do this, but I wasn't going to throw skis on and just jump off the chairlift and go down the mountain. I needed somebody to share their expertise with me. And so why would we throw money at ski school or a trainer or a chef or an architect? Why would we throw money at any of these other experts uh, and not, be willing to invest in the one thing that's actually going to yield dividends within our own bodies and within our own minds. So when I talk to my husband about the, you know, about um, paying for your program, uh, he was, I'm very pleased to say super supportive because it was an opportunity to, invest in myself, invest in trying to change and better myself. And I think about all of the things that I spend money on every day or every year, a house payment, a car, Starbucks, eating out, my staff, whatever it might be. And this is the first time working with you where I've really spent money on trying to build myself up and make myself better. And it's silly to even think like I waited until 35 to even understand that as a concept, let alone one that I was going to act on. Uh, And that's when I, you know, when I talk to to friends who have not gone, who do not meditate and who do not believe themselves to be spiritual, that's sort of the question I, I throw at them. And it's not, it's not accusational by any means and it's not, but it's there to prompt them to start thinking about it prompt a conversation between people who trust each other which is like do you, why why are you not making a decision to invest more heavily in yourself your gym membership costs x you you know you you spend all this other money frivolously let's you know pony up some cash to really do better by ourselves mm-hmm. and and it doesn't just benefit me, the person doing it, it benefits every single person around me. Uh, 
and that's kind of how I think about it. It's like I'm almost amortizing the cost of working with, with somebody like you with every personal relationship that I have. That's powerful. Yeah. With the tech aspect of where we are in the technology world, whether we work in tech or not, we're in technology every day, our phone, Facebook, Instagram. And also I do see it as a, a protective mechanism as well too, because companies are out there developing these products to manipulate our ways of thinking and our mindset every day. Mm -hmm. And we're in them every day. And so we have to be more steadfast and conscious about how that's impacting our mindset and do things to now start to better train our mind. Mindset practice and training has always been important, but I, I actually think this day and age, like it's even, it's now gotten to a critical point where we're not mm -hmm. gonna be overwhelmed by what we're consuming in order to be more present. Not just, that's just one reason, but I'm saying that's, I think that's even more one, another, another critical reason to adopt these sort of practices. Does that make sense? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with it. I think, you know, it's funny because when the web and the internet and, you know, this is before smartphones really, uh, you know, came out, you used to go online, you would take time out of your, your real life, your offline life, and you would go online, you'd have dial up internet back in the day, where you would go to a desktop computer. And now I'm not saying any, anything people listening aren't aware of, but you know, now we are doing the reverse where so much of our time is spent connected digitally that going online is now the norm and taking a break from it is the exception. Going, you know, hiking where you don't have a cell phone service, that's the abnormal behavior versus sitting in a coffee shop on your laptop or waiting in line at the grocery store checking Instagram which right. get me wrong. I still do. I still enjoy. I am aware of what not it, before like, you meditate. No, not before I meditate, <laughs> but I am aware of why I do it. And that's yeah. the sick part, right? Is even with the knowledge that this technology is being developed in a way to play on our, the way human psychology works, we still willingly engage in these behaviors. And it is so calming and and clearing it gives me a sense of, of, of clarity to have that time in the morning where that world does not exist where like dings and notifications do not dictate what i'm going to do with my attention span i'm not looking at what meeting i have to get ready for or phone call or what errand i have to run uh it's just the time for me to be with me. And it used to be such a more normal behavior in a way. We used to have that time and space to do it. And now the norm has come for us to always be connected, always interacting, always clicking like or leaving a comment. and. Frankly, that's exhausting. My brain is exhausted after a day of doing that. And again, it's not like that those behaviors are 100% absent from my life. I'd still bring my, my iPhone with me most places. Yeah. Uh, but since working with you and meditating every day, like this sounds so silly, but like now if I'm in line at like at Whole Foods or wherever, I'm 
being very purposeful with my time and leaving my phone in my pocket. I take it out to pay because I use Apple Pay. But <laughs> leaving my phone in my pocket and actually just looking yeah. around, even if I'm not engaging with, an, with another person or, or having a, a conversation with them, just sort of taking in my surroundings. And I never regret doing that. I think about the time that I spend addicted to my to the screens and that's the stuff that I regret because where's the where's the payoff what what benefit did we really get out of that except draining the pleasure chemicals in our brains to get this quick hit of you know happiness uh, rather than be able to sort of get that from within and knowing that it's not only possible but so much better for me that's where I'm transitioning my my focus that example about the grocery store is great because uh i think a lot of people also think of meditation as you're on as a moment in mm. time while you're on the pillow or the actual action of meditating and that's not really the intention that can be the intention but the real purpose especially mindfulness meditation is become more mindful in life to integrate yep. it into your daily life so it's about as you walk out the door you're carrying that same peaceful awareness with you throughout the during the day. So any, I know you got to run any final takeaways that you would leave. With? Yeah, I think it is, you know, meditation is, it's not necessarily easy, but it is certainly something that anybody can do. Uh, and the benefits from it are, are so countless because it, it changes every aspect of what we do. It changes your interpersonal relationships. It changes your work. It changes your inclination to get home from work and just sit in front of the TV watching Netflix, which is sometimes a great thing to do, but why are we opting to zone out of consciousness rather than like tap into it and more fully enjoy the benefits of it? And so that's where I encourage my own friends, I encourage my, my siblings, my parents to think about trying to adopt or, or just to really sample a, a meditation practice to see if it's something that can benefit them. Uh, because I know myself, I've benefited so much from it that it seems silly to, you know, keep it to myself. And you just started four months ago. So yeah, and that's the cool thing, right? Like what's gonna what's, what's this gonna be like in three years, yeah, right. years by the time I'm 85? Yeah. Well, David, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on again. Proud of you. Very proud of you for your commitment to the practice and uh, excited to continue to work together. And Thank you, Paul. And I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. So with that, we'll go into meditation. First, just allowing yourself to start to relax. To start to truly surrender to what's right here, right now. Shedding any skepticism. Stepping into this, committing to the practice, committing for just the moment of the duration of this meditation to trying to shed the skepticism you might have of whether this practice works or not. If um, any words I use or something doesn't resonate with you, non-secular terms, religious terms, spiritual terms, you know, apply your own terms. Kind of redefine it in your mind to find what works for you. 
but acknowledging that there is power to this. There's a reason there are so many people studying and practicing meditation. Thousands of studies in modern neuro neuroscience have, have proven the impact and effect of meditation. So just taking a few moments to settle in and trust. Feeling yourself settling into that more deeply as you find the natural breath. Sensing the depth of the breath. Deep versus a shallow chest breath, kind of feeling the rise and fall of your stomach. You might even put your hand on your stomach to feel the rise and fall of your stomach. Feeling yourself relax more deeply, feeling your head relax, feeling your the muscles around your eyes relax, feeling your cheeks drop, feeling your tongue relax, really accentuating it, really feeling the root of your tongue relax in the bottom of your mouth, feeling your jaw drop. Feeling that kind of melt into your, to the space you're in. From ice to water, from water to gas, feeling yourself relax more deeply, feeling your shoulders relax. You might sense your shoulders drop as your arms relax, and your hands, feeling the weight of your hands in your lap. Feeling your legs relax, feeling your feet on the floor. Acknowledging any resistance that's coming up. You might be starting to watch the clock and wondering how much time is left. Maybe the skepticism's coming back up, just acknowledging that and committing just to being right here, right now, that this is where you're meant to be. This is productive to focus on this, not letting the ego get to you, saying you should be doing something else. Truly feeling that relaxation and feel how that's grounding you in the present moment. Allowing you to be right here, right now. Allow yourself to really feel it again, stepping into it and making the commitment. Taking a deep inhale. And on the exhale, just feeling that final sense of relaxation, just grounding you in the experience, solidifying that commitment. I'm gonna bring a slight smile to your face. I'm gonna fire those neurons of gratitude and connection. 
trusting the practice, trusting the impact this has on your, how grounded you are, moving gracefully through life. And setting that intention to use this time for the duration of the meditation to start to train yourself to better recognize challenges, thoughts, emotions that might arise that might make you reactive, that might make you resist. Using this time to train your mind to recognize those times and then allowing you to move more gracefully through those challenges. And so for the rest of the meditation, we're just going to keep it really simple. Allowing yourself to stay relaxed, using the breath to connect you with the aliveness of your body, being aware of what's going on in your surroundings, that awareness of the present moment. That you are that awareness, you're not your thoughts or emotions. And as thoughts or emotions arise, as they will, as is human nature, we're not trying to suppress them, we're just training our mind to recognize. And so the practice for the next few moments is simply recognizing what's going on right now. And just mentally asking yourself that question. What's going on right now? You might be feeling resistance to the meditation. It could be resistance to the time that's passed, wondering what time it is, ready to get up and do the next thing. It could be a felt sense of gratitude. It could be an emotion that's arising. You could be feeling some sadness, some anger. feeling joyful, whatever it is, just compassionately ask yourself what's going on right now. And as those thoughts or emotions of what's going on rise and fall, there is no right or wrong. Just sensing what comes to mind. Just allowing it to be there with compassion. And then just coming back to the breath. And just repeating over and over again what's going on right now.
now for the next few moments, just feeling the sense of connection with allowing yourself to sense what's going on. Refining your ability to sense what's going on, to recognize what's happening. Sense how that really connects you with what's happening and how that could potentially allow you to move more gracefully through whatever is happening. If I can recognize what's happening, it allows me to pause and mindfully determine the best response, the best next step to take and not getting carried away by what's happening, the challenge, not identifying with it, relaxing back in the present moment. Bring a slight smile to your face for that realization, for that potential. Even fleeting moments that you might have had where you connected with it, just feeling a strong sense of gratitude. Allowing the smile to expand to your heart, truly allowing yourself to feel that smile expand. Feeling the gratitude for having taken this time. And now just envisioning yourself walking out into the world with that mindful sense of presence, that ability to pause and recognize what's happening, to question, what am I feeling right now? What's going on right now? Enabling that U-turn, make that shift in perspective to move more gracefully and mindfully through life. As soon as you're ready, just slowly opening your eyes. Thank you for listening. Appreciate your support. Please subscribe to the podcast. Also visit my site, paulhearingcoaching.com if you're interested in coaching and be mindfully neurotic.